As we begin this Monday, December 4th, Monday of the first week of Advent, let's pray together in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Come, long-expected Jesus, excite in me a wonder at the wisdom and power of your Father and ours. Receive my prayer as part of my service of the Lord who enlists me in God's own work for justice. Come, long-expected Jesus, excite in me a hunger for peace, peace in the world, peace in my home peace in myself. Come, long-expected Jesus, excite in me a joy responsive to the Father's joy. I seek his will so I can serve with gladness, singing, and love. Come, long-expected Jesus, excite in me the joy and love and peace it is right to bring to the manger of my Lord. Raise in me, too, sober reverence for the God who acted there, hearty gratitude for the life begun there, and spirited resolution to serve the Father and the Son. I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, whose advent I hail. Amen. It is a better way to start a brand new liturgical season. I don't know about you, my parish looks different, my house looks different, my playlist looks different. Hopefully, some of you are trying to start out uh, with a little Catholic radio during the season of Advent to do things a little differently. If you are one of those people, welcome to the Sunrise Morning Show. And here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman is at the controls. And Travis Smith has a video feed running in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com. We'll look at this week in Catholic history with Kevin Schmeezing. Catherine Fishlock, our music teacher here on the Sunrise Morning Show, is going to share some music related to the first Sunday of Advent. We'll look at what the Church Fathers have to say in the Catechism with Father John Gavin. And Advent is a time where we're going to try and focus a little bit more on being quiet. And Father Frank Donio will talk about his Order's founder, St. Vincent Pilati, and what he had to say about silence. Two minutes past the hour, here's Anna Mitchell with news. Good morning. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says it's unclear when or even if talks aimed at resuming a truce between Israel and Hamas will resume. Appearing on NBC's Meet the Press yesterday, Kirby said the U.S. is working, quote, really hard to try to get both sides back to the table. He also admitted that he honestly just doesn't know if negotiators can get something moving. Kirby's comments come after fighting reignited following a week-long truce. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis said it was painful to see the truce broken in the Holy Land. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tullock reports. It pains me that the truce has been broken. Well, apparently that is not going to work for us first thing in the morning. We'll move on. Doctors, activists, and country representatives at the COP28 UN Climate Summit that Pope Francis had planned to attend before suffering some acute bronchitis symptoms. They are demanding more global efforts to protect people from increasing health and safety risks posed by climate change. Health experts say with temperatures around the world set to keep rising for decades, countries will need to spend more for health care. They say hotter temperatures will make heat waves 
more dangerous and fuel the spread of diseases like malaria and cholera. Alaska Airlines has announced plans to buy Hawaiian Airlines. The deal is valued at $1.9 billion. Brad Ford reports. Alaska Airlines would pay $18 per share for Hawaiian stock. Hawaiian closed at $4.86 on Friday. Alaska would also assume $900 million in debt from Hawaiian. The combined airline would be part of the One World Alliance that includes American Airlines, British Airways, and Cathay Pacific. Honolulu would remain a key hub. The deal needs approval of both boards, shareholders of Hawaiian Holdings, and U.S. regulators. Brad Ford, NBC News Radio. Let's see if we can go back to that story on Pope Francis and his Angelus address and the pain he felt over the truce being broken in the Holy Land. Here's Joseph Tollock. It pains me that the truce has been broken. This means death, destruction, misery. Those were Pope Francis's words on the end of the Israel-Hamas ceasefire agreement, which broke down on Friday. The Pope was speaking after his weekly recitation of the Angelus prayer in the Vatican, appearing via video link. As he is recovering from an inflammation of the lungs, the Pope's reflections were read aloud by Monsignor Paolo Breida, an official of the Vatican Secretariat of State, while the Pope sat beside him. Many hostages have been freed, the Pope continued, but many are still in Gaza. We think of them, of their families, who had seen a light, a hope that they might embrace their loved ones once again. The Pope added that there is so much suffering in Gaza, there is a lack of basic necessities. I hope, he said that all of those involved can reach a new ceasefire agreement as soon as possible and find solutions other than weapons, trying to take courageous paths to peace. Pope Francis has repeatedly called for the release of all hostages in Gaza and for an immediate end to the hostilities there. Pope Francis also prayed for the victims of a bomb attack on a Catholic mass in the Philippines. Four people died and at least 40 were wounded in an attack on a gymnasium in the Mindano State University where mass was being celebrated. I would like to assure you of my prayers for the victims of the attack in the Philippines this morning, where a bomb exploded during Mass, Pope Francis said. He added that I am close to the families, to the people of Mindano, who have already suffered so much. In a telegram sent some hours later, Pope Francis said that he was deeply saddened to be informed of the injuries and loss of life due to the bombing. I'm Joseph Tollock. National parks in the U.S. will be free to visit six days next year. The free entry days include three federal holidays, Martin Luther King Day, Veterans Day, and Juneteenth. National parks will also be free on April 20th, August 4th, and September 28th. And college football has announced its top four schools that will battle for the national title. Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama were selected by the playoff committee yesterday. Top-ranked Michigan will face number four Alabama in the Rose Bowl in the semifinal round, while second-ranked Washington takes on number three Texas in the Sugar Bowl. The winners will square off in the national championship game on January 8th. Okay, so I'm pretty sure that this is the year that everybody's going to— When are they expanding the playoff? Next year. Okay. 12 teams next year. 12 teams next year. Mm -hmm. Just going to put that out there for the Georgia and Ohio State fans and the Florida State fans. Yeah, I'm feeling very upset by some of these things. I'm feeling the worst for the Florida State fans. Even yeah. though I am definitely no Florida State fan myself, um, yeah, they were the ones that I think would experience the most heartache. Well, Georgia is forty-five and two in its last forty-seven games. I know, but they just lost their last game. So, well, I'm just saying, Florida but they State lost didn't lose to any. 
Florida State didn't lose. <laughs> They're anything. one losses to a person who's in the playoff. Well, yeah. I'm not saying. Just so you know, a as person. a Tennessee fan, I don't want to appear to be defending Georgia here. I'm just saying. What are you wearing, Matt? What am I wearing? What are you wearing? I'm wearing an. Do you have an Advent candle sweater? I do, and those on the uh, those on the video live stream can can see my. Well, it's liturgically. It's to be. It, it's supposed to be like a, a an ugly Advent sweater. Liturgically, it's like, incorrect. All four of those candles are lit. Well, that's true. How oh, you got to cover up? The I'm gonna have to call gotta... the Etsy store that puts this shirt out and say, "Hey, listen, we need stickers. You that need you can sticker... put on this Well, you got to figure out how to cover up three of those flames, man. I feel I like it's Christmas Eve right now. You know how they do those like uh, NFL pregame shows, and at the end they're like, you know, wardrobe by whatever. I gotta go remember the name of the Etsy store I got this from, All so right. we can flash the logos. We go to. I wonder if they something. sell those for extra, like the little like little sweater stick on, so you I'm can sure cover up the flames. Something. I don't know. I'll just get be sharp. a neat interactive sweater for you. Indeed, it's nine minutes past the hour. Sunrise Morning Show continues with a look at this week in Catholic history. Kevin Schmeezing is the author of A Catholic Pilgrimage Through American History. Kevin, good morning. Hey, Matt. Good morning. Well, a lot of people remember dates associated with the Second Vatican Council, but we get to talk this week about a date associated with the First Vatican Council. First, we're covering the first one. That's right. Uh, 1869 was the opening of the First Vatican Council. That was the 20th ecumenical council in the church, the first since Trent, which closed in the wake of the Protestant Reformation in the 1560s. Vatican I was convened by Pope Pius IX. He had solemnly defined the dogma of the Immaculate Conception in 1854, and he opened the council on that feast day, December 8th, this week, 1869. About 700 bishops and other clerics from around the world gathered in Rome for the council, which was held in St. Peter's Basilica, which is, of course, located in Vatican City. There had been five previous councils in Rome, but they took place at the Basilica of St. John Lateran, the Pope's Cathedral, so they're known as the Lateran Councils. This was the first Vatican Council. The deliberations of the Council Fathers resulted in two documents. One, the Dogmatic Constitution Dei Filius had as its main targets the beliefs that reason is the only path to truth and that reality is only natural or material, so a denial of the spiritual and supernatural. Dei Filius declared, There can never be any real discrepancy between faith and reason, since the same God who reveals mysteries and infuses faith has bestowed the light of reason on the human mind, and God cannot deny himself nor can truth ever contradict truth. The second constitution, Pastre Tenors, was much more controversial, chiefly because of its teaching on papal infallibility. While the great majority agreed with the substance of the teaching, a sizable minority thought the timing for such a declaration was inopportune, that it would be misunderstood and stir up unnecessary opposition. But at the final vote, Pastre Tenors was also approved overwhelmingly. By that time, July 1870, the reunification of Italy was well underway, the bishops departed for a summer break, intending to return to continue business, but the Franco-Prussian War broke out, French troops protecting Rome were called away, and Italian forces occupied the city. The council never reconvened, and its unfinished business would be left for another council, which would take place almost 100 years later. Well, and that's the one that we know, right? Uh, the Second Vatican Council, because there are a lot of people listening who lived when that was happening. But let's talk about... A hundred years later, and the promulgation of Sacrosanctum and the promulgation of Sacrosanctum Concilium. 
Speaking of the Second Vatican Council, this was the document on liturgy from that council, and it was issued this week in 1963. The Second Vatican Council was called by John the Twenty Third in 1962. We covered some of the major documents on this program during the 50th anniversary years, but Matt, it's hard to believe that was already 10 years ago. So I thought it was time to revisit them. The one we're looking at this week is the Constitution on the Liturgy, Sacrosanctum Concilium. It's the very first of the 16 documents that would be issued by the Council. At the end of the Council's second session, which was October through December 1963, it was promulgated this week on December 4th. Now, prior to 1963, most of the Western Church practiced what we now call the traditional Latin Mass, a liturgy in the Latin language conducted at a high altar, with the priest facing the altar, responses given by altar boys rather than the congregation, and so on and so forth. Some minor reforms had already been implemented by popes in the 20th century, but these would be amplified by Vatican II. In the first paragraph of Sacrosanctum, the Council Fathers laid out their purposes for the Council in general to impart an ever-increasing vigor to the Christian life of the faithful, to adapt more suitably to the needs of our own times, those institutions which are subject to change, to foster whatever can promote union among all who believe in Christ, to strengthen whatever can help to call the whole of mankind into the household of the church. To these ends, in this first document, they undertook the reform and promotion of the liturgy. Sacrosanctum was also approved overwhelmingly by a vote of 2,147 to 4. But, of course, the application of the document's principles in the years following the Council were another matter. Arguably, Sacrosanctum ended up being the most divisive of the Council's documents. In some ways, if you think about, for example, the moves of Pope Benedict and Pope Francis concerning the Latin Mass, debate continues to this day. Sacrosanctum Concilium was issued this week 60 years ago. And we'll leave it at that so nobody gets mad at either one of us. Uh, just to <laughs> tell right. the history is enough to spark some conversations. Kevin Schmeezing, we've got a Catholic pilgrimage through American history linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. Thank you so much as always. Have a great day. Thanks, Matt. You too. And I know sometimes radio looks easy, and in some ways it is. But you try saying Sacrosanctum Concilium first thing in the morning. Let's check on national weather to see where it's like in your neck of the woods. The system that began impacting the Northeast yesterday is sticking around as heavy snow continues falling in Maine, northern Vermont, and northern New Hampshire. Elsewhere, New York, Pennsylvania, and the lower elevations of a couple of those New England states will have some mixed precipitation. While occasional snow showers will fall in North Dakota, the home of Real Presence Radio, and Minnesota throughout the day, a mix of snow and rain will begin falling in eastern Iowa, southern Wisconsin, and Illinois around midday. That'll go as far east as Virginia, as far south as Tennessee into the evening. In the Pacific Northwest, rain and flooding in the lower elevations with a mix of rain and snow in the higher elevations will be a concern. A mix of rain and snow across the high terrain of Oregon, Washington, Idaho, Utah, Montana, Wyoming, and Colorado. The rest of the nation will stay fairly quiet. It's a quarter past. We're back with headlines right after this. Support is for MediShare. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. 
MediShare is a proven thing, too. For over 30 years, it's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing, too. If you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another $150 savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second, but just call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And remember, the deadline is December 15th. So call now and you'll save even more. Here's the number. 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. Tony the Theologian, Chris the Entrepreneur, and Joe the Farmer are the Rome Boys. In each of their podcasts, they take a timely topic and discuss it from three different perspectives. You can hear Rome Boys as well as faith-filled podcasts from our friends and affiliates across the nation, all in one place, all free at EWTN Podcast Central. Visit EWTNRadio.net slash podcasts today. Think they ever get Bob the Builder on that Rome Boys podcast? Oh, neat idea. That'd be pretty sweet. I don't know how many microphones they have. You just have to go over there and check it out to see. It's 17 past. Here's Anna with headlines. Pope Francis has said it is painful to see that the truce between Israel and Hamas has been broken. He did so during his Angelus address yesterday. In his catechesis, he stressed the importance of vigilance during Advent, saying we need to look out for others. And over the weekend, the Holy Father sent a video message to the newly inaugurated Faith Forum at the UN climate meetings. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. And uh, Anna Mitchell, as you mentioned, anybody who's watching on our live stream, which you could find in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com, would notice that I'm wearing my uh, quote-unquote ugly Advent sweater. I don't mm-hmm. think it's actually I don't ugly. think it's really ugly. Or I probably would have been wearing it. It's the style. That's what they call the style. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't but own anything like that. What I can't show you is what my wife worked on yesterday, which was uh, a tradition she's done a few times through the years, which is the Advent uh, fingernail polish. Oh, yes. She has so I posted it on picture. Twitter. I wonder if I have that. So she's got the uh, the three purple nails and the one pink nail. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I put it up there, and somebody showed me something that, that they had done, and they had the – I think they did the thumb like a sparkly white ah, neat. for that fifth candle. Um, but we did our own wreath yesterday with fresh greenery. Got one of those like foam rings that you have to like discourage mm-hmm. your child from destroying because it's so satisfying to like squish the foam ring. Yeah, 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 um, yeah. And then like the metal ring that the candles go in. And yeah, we actually there was a uh, a local florist uh, that worked with our parish uh, to make available for sale in the back uh, fresh greenery of various kinds, so you can get a box of greens. And we made our own. Cool. Made our own advent wreath. Put a picture up of that. Got our own candles. Put them all in. And we even did our Lego advent wreath yesterday, Anna Mitchell. Uh, but that's it. That's where we cut oh, it yeah. off. yeah. That's what I got Zeke for. Didn't I buy that for Zeke last year? Might have been. I don't know if it was last year or two years. I don't know. I'm still trying to look into my text messages to see if I have a previous 
picture mm. of your wife's nails. That's possible. she's done this a few years before. She has, indeed. And we also put up a, a few lights, just a handful of lights. We only put up purple lights. Purple lights. But I want to know what things people have gotten out so far and which things they're waiting to get out until later. So you should let us know, either in the chat on the video live stream or on our Facebook page or just hit us with a note. Because it is really hard. It's tricky to try and maintain that balance of getting enough stuff out to signal mm-hmm. that there's been a seasonal change. Mm-hmm. but not getting so much out that you jump the gun on Christmas. Yep. So whatever it's it is true. that you're doing in your house, I would be very curious to know. I got the candles. We you don't the have candles. the we don't have the greenery. You I'm just gonna green. use I have like this candelabra thing that I use. Which that is cool and it's like I need an excuse to use it. We gotta get a picture of that up there now, Anna Mitchell. Okay, well, I'll do it. Come on. It's twenty one minutes past the hour. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. I'm Father Timothy Shear, and these are Biblical Impressions. Some figures in the Bible remain a mystery to us. One such figure is the man healed by Jesus at the pool of Bethsaida. You remember him. He was suffering for 38 years with no one to take him to the pool of water for healing. Jesus walked by directed him to pick up his mat and walk. He did just that. When confronted by the authorities, this cripple said he had no idea who healed him on the Sabbath. Later, he met Jesus in the temple, and then he returned to the authorities and told them that it was Jesus. Was he so filled with joy at his healing that he announced it hoping they would be healed too, spiritually? This would make this crippled man a loyal witness for Jesus. Or was he contributing to the hostility so many had towards the Lord? In this line of thinking, the man remained spiritually crippled. Perhaps John leaves this story so ambiguous so that we can put ourselves into it. What would be our response to the Lord? For Sacred Heart Radio, I'm Father Timothy Shear. Back with us here in studio is the Sunrise Morning Show music teacher, <laughs> Catherine Fishlock, professional singer, musician, and teacher. It's good to see you. Nice to be here. Thanks for being here. And as promised, we are starting our little mini series on the Advent. Introits. And just as a refresher, remind us what is an introit? So the introit is the first actual official text of every single Mass, right? These are given, they're in the Missal, these are given to us by the Church. You don't get to pick them like you might pick an entrance hymn. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, in English, most of the time they're referred to now as the entrance antiphon. Ah, yes. So that would help people. So in some parishes that are, that have a uh, 
reinvigorated this uh, this piece of the mass, this traditional uh, use of this text, they would probably know it as the entrance antiphon. Okay, and Advent is a beautiful time to reinvigorate this traditional <laughs> practice, don't you think? Absolutely. I mean, it's a beautiful season for one thing, but it's also from a practical standpoint, a great time to do it because it's a new liturgical year. Exactly, exactly. Um, I'm I'm a big uh, proponent of using Advent as a time to either to introduce something for the first time or to bring something back that you haven't been doing for a while. Um, particularly, not only because it's it's I think it's good liturgically to put these things back in place that we've lost, uh, but also. Um, the, the kind of sentiment and the, the emotion that comes with Advent and Christmas is so much about traditions and memory and family and all of these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as the church, we have um, a, an, an indescribable treasure trove of tradition yeah. that, you know, much of which has been, um, you know, sadly forgotten or neglected, at least, you know, over the last <clears throat> the last half century. So I do think that um, Advent is a wonderful time to reintroduce the entrance antiphon. If you want to do it in English, you can find settings. Mm-hmm. But um, and the, of course, the Latin ones are beautiful. And they're li- listed right there in the in any missalette that right. you get as well. You right. Can, you'll you'll see the text there. And like you said, plenty of settings. You're going to be singing the or chanting the Latin one for mm-hmm. us today, but why don't you uh, give us the English translation first? Yes. So <clears throat> this is the intro for the first Sunday of Advent, the Ad Te Levavi, and here is the English. Unto you have I lifted up my soul. O oh my God, I trust in you. Let me not be put to shame. Do not allow my enemies to laugh at me, for none of those who are awaiting you will be disappointed. Mm. You know, Now that I've looked at the readings for the first Sunday of Advent um, in in this particular liturgical year, that entrance antiphon is so beautiful to bring in this because uh, you you think that you're you would expect something that sounds a little more Christmassy, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, we're anticipating the baby Jesus kind of thing. Right. And yet we are reminded of the coming of the Lord, not just the second coming, but the coming of the Lord for each and every one of us. Right. Exactly. And who are our enemies? Well, that would be the forces of hell that could be laughing at us. Mm Um, that we're trying to not be put to shame in front of. Right. So, um, right. Yeah. All of the Advent texts are so full of of this um, this double, you know, kind of not du- double meaning, but 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 a you know a foreshadowing of why this all happened. Why did right. we need the re- why did we need the Redeemer? What happened? What is the 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 culmination of the fulfillment of 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 what happened after the fall? Mm-hmm. You know that sense of. Um, we're we're really seeing the whole picture. Yeah. You know, we're looking <clears throat> we're looking at this beautiful um it's like this beautiful painting that has all kinds of little scenes in it, you know, and yeah. we see them all. It's like, oh, in the background, there's Jesus on the cross. Here's the baby in the manger, mm-hmm. but let's look at why. It's all one reality. Right. It's all one big reality and and the way that these texts um, <clears throat> remind us that it's not Lest we get Pelagian, we are not the ones saving ourselves. It is the Lord who is doing it, and we are receiving that gift from him, which right. allows us to not be put to shame. So beautiful. Okay, now, can you uh, 
Can you give us the Latin? Go ahead, sure. get your pitch. <clears throat> All right. She brought a pitch pipe, ladies oh, and gentlemen. Know, I don't want to be, it's early in the morning. <laughs> All right, here we go. So beautiful. Catherine, thank you so much, as always. If you would like Catherine to uh, give some lessons to your choir, you can get in touch with us through the contact page at sunrisemorningshow.com. We'll get you in touch with her. Come teach him to chant like that. We'd love to. <laughs> thank you so much again, Catherine Fishlock. And I... Uh, I'd just like to remind you that this is a great time of year to invite folks to listen to Catholic Radio, um, not just because they get excellent Advent programming, but because it's a good time to raise money for Catholic Radio as well. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says... It's unclear when or even if talks aimed at resuming a truce between Israel and Hamas will resume. Appearing on NBC's Meet the Press, Kirby said the U.S. is working, quote, really hard to try to get both sides back to the table. He also admitted that he honestly just doesn't know if negotiators can get something moving. Kirby's comments come after fighting reignited following a week-long truce. Pope Francis has said it's painful to see that truce between Israel and Hamas broken. In his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father said the breaking of the truce means death, destruction, and misery. Because of the Holy Father's health and aid to Pope Francis, read his message as he sat beside him, and it was projected onto screens in St. Peter's Square so the faithful could hear. The Pope said, quote, many hostages have been freed, but many are still in Gaza, we think of them, of their families who had seen a light, a hope that they might embrace their loved ones again. He said, I hope all those involved can reach a new ceasefire agreement as soon as possible and find solutions other than arms trying to take courageous paths to peace, end quote. An American warship and multiple commercial vessels came under fire in the Red Sea yesterday, prompting a response 
Trey Thomas reports. The USS Kearney shot down several drones that officials say were launched from Houthi-controlled parts of Yemen just a month after it shot down rockets and drones fired from Houthi militants. U.S. Central Command said the attacks represent a direct threat to international commerce and maritime security. No casualties were reported. I'm Trey Thomas. A leading national health expert says the U.S. should experience a more typical flu and virus season this winter. Speaking on CBS's Face the Nation, former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb said the level of RSV and flu cases is now abating compared to to epidemic numbers in previous years. Gottlieb said young children and older adults have been especially vulnerable. Pope Francis sent a message to faith leaders who attended the UN climate meetings this weekend from Vatican Radio. Francesca Merlo reports. At the heart of Pope Francis's video message to Dubai for the inauguration of the COP28 Faith Pavilion is the idea of creating alliances for the common good. The Pope's message, broadcast on Sunday morning during the event, was entrusted to the Vatican Secretary of State, Pietro Parolin, as Pope Francis was unable to attend as planned as a precautionary measure while he recovers from pulmonary inflammation. In his video message, the Holy Father expressed his regret for not being present at COP28 and emphasized the inauguration of the Faith Pavilion as this is the first time that a religious pavilion has been set up within a UN climate change conference. This pavilion, said the Pope, attests to the willingness to work together. Today, the world needs alliances that are not against anyone, but in favor of all, he said. It is urgent that religions, without falling into the trap of syncretism, give a good example working together not for one's own interests or those of one party, but for the interests of our world. He added that the most important topics currently are peace and the climate. Pope Francis thus invited all religious representatives to be an example and show that change is possible by bearing witness to sustainable and respectful lifestyles. Let us earnestly urge the leaders of nations to preserve our common home, he said, adding, especially hearing the cries of the poor and the weakest among us, whose prayers reach the throne of the Most High. In conclusion, the Pope invited everyone to safeguard creation and protect our common home, always seeking to live in peace. As part of the inauguration of the Faith Pavilion, Pope Francis Francis also signed a unified faith declaration, joining religious leaders and representatives from a host of faiths. The declaration seeks to harness the collective influence of faith communities and religious institutions to inspire climate justice globally. I am Francesca Merlo. And a volcano in Indonesia's West Sumatra province erupted yesterday, shooting ash more than 10,000 feet into the sky. The volcano erupted just before 3 p.m. local time yesterday, blowing ash at high intensity over nearby districts. Photos from Indonesia's disaster management agencies showed cars and roads covered in ash. That's the news. It's 35 past. Are you expecting the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee. They have a number of Christmas blends available, and when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store. Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. 
you can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting The Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on The Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at sacredheartradio.com. That's Leah at sacredheartradio.com. The Baltimore Catechism asks, How should Christians prepare for a holy and happy marriage? Christians should prepare for a holy and happy marriage by receiving the sacraments of penance and the Eucharist, by begging God to grant them a pure intention and to direct their choice, and by seeking the advice of their parents and the blessing of their pastors. Very often, people think that they should prepare for marriage by living with the other person. But you know, statistics show us that those who live together before marriage are more likely to break up after marriage. And so the proper way to prepare for a holy and happy marriage is to be holy. You see, when you receive the sacraments of penance in the Holy Eucharist, God is helping to prepare you. By receiving the advice of your parents and the blessing of your pastors, you can receive the blessing of God, who may work through the pastor to help you discern who your mate ought to be. And so that way, in preparing for holy marriage, you are able to keep the faith until death. Reflecting on the Baltimore Catechism, I'm Dominican Father Ezra Sullivan. Sunrise Morning Show continues as we enter into the season of Advent. Still pretty early. Still time to set a great tone in your home. Of course, parishes look different. Hopefully your house looks a little different. Hopefully the vibe is a little more subdued and preparatory where you are. It is the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Father John Gavin, who has been going through the church fathers and how they are represented and quoted and referenced in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. He, of course, wrote a book about how that uh, how that same group of guys reflected on the Lord's Prayer. Father Gavin, good morning. Good morning. So we get to get, uh, look at one of my favorites today, Ignatius of Antioch, and uh, he talks about uh, death in Christ. Uh, give us the context here. Uh, where does this show up in the Catechism? Sure. So we are now in the section of the Catechism going uh, beginning at 1005, paragraph 1005, and we're looking at dying in Christ Jesus. And just before the quote that comes from St. Ignatius, we have a discussion about what death is, and the Catechism makes three points. Uh, first, it says, death is the end of earthly life, and I think we can understand that, the cessation of our, of our material bodies. As, uh, and then we have death as a consequence of sin, that death entered the world as a result of sin. Uh, speaking of Adam and Eve, we could hear this in the Scriptures. And then death is transformed by Christ. That is, that Jesus in his sacrifice on the cross and obedience to the Father transforms death from a curse into a blessing. And I would just add maybe one point to uh, those three, uh, just before we get to what we're going to talk about with St. Ignatius. Um, the Fathers of the Church, of course, emphasize all those points themselves, but they also highlight the significance of death in what they call alienation from God. That is, is as a result of sin, of original sin, uh, we are cut off from that font of grace. And so even when we are perhaps physically alive, we are living in a state of death, 
uh, cut off from that uh, divinizing grace that we receive from God. So it's another element to the whole understanding of death. Yeah, I can't help but what, uh, think about what St. Paul says in Ephesians 2 when he says, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins mm-hmm. <laughs> when you followed the right. ways of the world. Uh, there is a sense of, uh, you know, kind of people walking around in a zombie-like state, right? Waiting, waiting to be brought mm-hmm. to, to actual actual life in Christ. So how does Ignatius of Antioch talk about this? And uh, I think it's actually uh, also important to highlight what is happening to Ignatius as he's thinking about and writing about this kind of thing? Yes, so St. Ignatius, this comes from uh, his uh, letter to the Church in Rome, and he is on his way to martyrdom. So death is on his mind, truly, as he, as he makes his way. So, and what we see here uh, in this passage that we have, uh, I'll read the passage from him. Uh, he writes, It is better for me to die in Christ Jesus than to reign over the ends of the earth. Him it is I seek who died for us. Him it is I desire who rose for us. I am on the point of giving birth. Let me receive pure light. When I shall have arrived there, then I shall be a man. And I would just point out something in the translation here, which maybe we could talk about, uh, that first line it is better for me to die in Christ Jesus than to reign over the ends of the earth. Uh, even the, the catechism here for the word in, as in die in Christ Jesus, actually puts in parentheses the Greek preposition that is there. It's ace, E-I-S. Yeah, I was going to ask uh, you about this, because this is one of the—it's a weird thing for the catechism to include something like that in a quote. Right. Yes, it, it is, and I think the point they want to make here uh, that doesn't come through in the translation, it, Greek has two prepositions, whereas we use, uh, we have in and into to indicate place, I'm in the room, and into, I'm walking into the room, motion. And Greek has uh, preposition en, en, en in English, uh, so in a place, and here, however, we have the preposition for motion, ace, into. So a, a, a strict translation of this would be, it is better for me to die into Christ Jesus than to reign over the ends of the earth. And I think that's there, uh, I would say, for a couple of reasons. One would be, it echoes St. Paul in Romans 6, I think, where the idea that we hear there, are you unaware that we who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, the ace preposition there. In other words, I think he's hinting at the, the motion that takes place in baptism, the descent into the water by full immersion, into the death of Christ, and then the rising ace into the life of Christ. I think he's reflecting on his baptism and what that meant as he approaches his martyrdom. But I also think the into indicates something about his whole life, that daily he is dying into Christ. There's a motion here, uh, dying to self in the small ways day by day, in humility and in love. So I think he's reflecting on all of that as this motion that he's taking place now, that's taking place now in martyrdom. You, as you're saying this, this idea of dying into Christ, as opposed to just dying in, you know, in Christ, like one might say, well, dying in a, in a, in a relationship with Christ, but dying into mm-hmm. Christ, 
it just I, I'm trying to think of other images where Paul uses that idea of Christ kind of being surrounding you or over you. Uh, I think later mm. in Romans he says, "Clothe yourself with Christ," right? Uh, or, right. or I think some places it says, "Like put on Christ," uh, as though like. I mean, I, and it, it throws me back to another uh, great Christian thinker from just a couple centuries later, right? St. Patrick, who says, you know, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ beneath mm-hmm. me. Uh, all these images kind of, uh, you know, add a new sort of richness to this idea of of what it means to be baptized. Truly, I, uh, because it, this idea of immersion, I think, is what you're describing there, right? We're immersed into his life. We become one with him. And that takes place in baptism, but it also, as I think the, the Catechism is pointing out here, it transforms our vision of death itself, right? Uh, I mean, we Christians are realists. Uh, we understand what death means. I mean, we see what, uh, what our Lord went through in the Passion, and yet it has been transformed in Him. Uh, it is no longer the final word for us, but immersed in Him. We look toward the life of the resurrection. Well, it transforms, uh, I think, an image that many Christians, uh, Catholics included, sometimes have about Christianity, which is, I love Christ, I'm glad glad he did this thing for me, I want to honor him and obey him so that I can be in a stronger relationship with him later on. And really, this points uh, more to something that a lot of Church Fathers talk about, which is being incorporated into Christ, right, to have that mm-hmm. share in the divinity that is, you know, th- there is a, a uniting that happens there that is beyond just uh, a group of followers in a better uh, situation with their leader. Absolutely, and that, and that's why I think it's, it's so striking at the end of this quote. He says, then I shall be a man when he has arrived fully into Christ, and even now— um, it, it uh, to be in that relationship with him is to become fully who one is called to be uh, in that dying to that self and entering into his life. It's it's a it's a rich and hope filled uh, new life. Well, and it's a window and it, that has been opened to us, you know, through the incarnation, uh, which is what mm. we're pointing everything toward now. Uh, Mm -hmm. as a church here in this season of Advent. Father John Gavin, thank you as always. Really rich stuff this morning. I appreciate it. Thank you, and God bless. All right, we're back right after this. It's 14 till. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. I have been a school sister of Notre Dame for 72 years. Most senior Catholic sisters, brothers, and religious order priests served for years with little pay. I always taught the primary grades, and I loved it. Today, hundreds of religious communities lack retirement funds. Your gift to the Retirement Fund for Religious helps provide medications and care. Please give to those who have given a lifetime. Thank you, and God bless you a hundredfold. Donate at your local parish. Are you expecting the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? 
Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee. They have a number of Christmas blends available, and when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug, available in our online store. Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Are you a new listener to EWTN Radio? Welcome. We're here for you 24-7. You'll hear live and interactive shows throughout the day to answer any questions you may have about the Catholic faith. There's trustworthy news from a Catholic perspective. And a large selection of podcasts available at EWTN's Podcast Central. And, of course, the daily mass, prayers, and everything you need to edify your soul. Welcome to EWTN Radio. We're blessed to have you with us. I'm spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says it's unclear when or even if talks aimed at resuming a truce between Israel and Hamas will restart. Pope Francis said yesterday it is painful to see that truce be broken. And the Iranian-backed Houthis are claiming responsibility for attacks on three commercial ships in the Red Sea yesterday. Next newscast in about 13-ish minutes from now as the Sunrise Morning Show continues here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. It's 11 till. Happy to welcome back to the Sunrise Morning Show, Father Frank Donio from the Catholic Apostolate Center. Good morning, Father. Good morning, Anna. So we are going to be spending Advent with the founder of your order, St. Vincent Pallotti. And just to lay the groundwork to to start us off today, Father, can can you talk about the themes that we will be covering over the next few weeks? Well, through some quotes of St. Vincent Pallotti, uh, who was a priest who lived in in Rome his entire life from 1795 to 1850 and believed that everyone is called to be an apostle. And so these four themes that are connected to Advent are ones that, that are important for us to maybe look at at this time of year. And they include silence, prayer, joy, and hope. And so it's important for us to just kind of enter into, you know, the season of Advent goes by so quickly. And if we don't take the time to truly enter into it, it can go right by us and suddenly it's Christmas. Yeah. And then we're not ready for the coming of the newborn king. And more importantly, maybe not so ready for the coming of Christ in our lives. Um, So this week, as you were saying, silence, the first theme that, that we will be discussing why is silence such an important part of Advent? Silence gives us the the place and the space to be able to hear the voice of the Lord that sometimes comes, as we heard in the, in the Old Testament with the prophet Elijah, in the tiny whispering sound. And we won't be able to hear that. Now, in the midst of this time of year, there are so many <laughs> things going on and so many being pulled in so many different directions, it's very difficult, especially right in in these next few weeks, to be silent, to just take the time 
to be silent. And yet, St. Vincent Pallotti says, the incarnate word of God, infinite wisdom, to teach us the practice of silence, was born for us in the seclusion of a stable, in the still silence of the night, as a little baby, which, like all infants, could not speak. Therefore, we must understand that silence observed in order to converse more intimately with God is a gift of God. It's a beautiful quote. And this hits home for me the Mm. point that every aspect of the humanity of Jesus is meant to show us who we are meant to be as human persons. Yes, he's the he he is was fully human and is fully fully human and fully divine. And so and the fullness the fullest human that has ever ever walked the earth. And, and so we from 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 conception until his death we we learn and then of course in his resurrection and and beyond. But the the we 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 can always learn something. And this is what St. Vincent is trying to point out. We can learn from from him as an infant, which we get we get focused on the the poverty and the stable and or the cave or whatever, the reality of that moment. But he focuses in on the baby. And you know, babies are not always silent. I you know that, that as a, a mother. Yeah. But they can't speak. Mm-hmm. They they their their cry is is their speech. And and the and the parents need to figure out well, what what is what is the need of this baby, but but the silence when that baby is sleeping isn't it a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. It the, is the quiet and to be able to enter into that kind of silence because we have so many cares, so many concerns, so many challenges, and that's what we're being invited into is a calm silence before the Lord. Of course. In adoration, that's a, a wonderful time, or a mo- or maybe a moment before or after Mass, which is difficult for parents with kids and so forth. But where is that moment? We often say we can't put aside that moment. Where is that moment? Maybe it's very early in the morning. Maybe it's very late at night. But where is that moment of silence, even for for two to five minutes? What and and to be able to here to be converse more intimately with God, as St. Vincent says. Well, I think you're already starting to answer what was going to be my next question, which is, is silence simply not talking? I mean, I know it's part of it, but is it more than that? No, there's a need for, for the interior silence, and that's actually harder. Yeah. Because there's there's all these things that we're thinking about. There's these different... And, and, and so it's a... It becomes really a discipline to be able to to still our minds and our hearts because maybe there's something going on within ourselves emotionally. Maybe there's, again, all these different things that we're thinking about, the next thing we need to do or concerns or whatever it might be. It's, it's easy to close our mouths. It's a lot harder to silence ourselves within so as to – and that becomes a, a grace, really – as well to to ask the Lord for that grace to be able to silence ourselves, our minds and our hearts, so as to be able to hear the Lord and to intimately converse with God. It's a beautiful thing yeah. to intimately converse with God because God knows us better than we know ourselves. 
And so we can truly learn uh, as the Lord is trying to teach us every day. You know what I was just thinking about? Um, this this quote from St. Vincent talks about the, the silence of, of the infant Christ who, who could not speak yet. But think about those nine months in the womb. Um, mm-hmm. in, in absolute total silence, he chose to mm-hmm. enter into that in our humanity. Yes, yes. And, and isn't that we talk about the pro-life message? I mean, here, right here. The incarnate Son of God, there in the womb, and and I think the the image of Our Lady of Guadalupe is probably a, a beautiful one for us to reflect on, the, because you know, scholars have told us that that image is 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 the Blessed Mother pregnant, uh, and and so here's this here is is the, the the Lord of the universe, King of the universe, as we just celebrated, and yet comes as this this infant, the the child growing in the womb, and then born and, and born into this seclusion, as St. Vincent says, seclusion of a stable, rejected, no room in the inn. And yet we can, we from that, we recognize the, the Son of God as the Magi did, as the shepherds did. So beautiful. Thank you so much, Father Frank Donio. You can find the Catholic Apostolate Center linked at sunrisemorningshow.com. You can go to catholicapostolatecenter.org slash advent to see their advent resources. We got another hour of the Sunrise Morning Show coming up for most of our affiliates here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Arise, it's a new day. Hear his word, let us pray. The Sunrise Morning Show. It is Monday, the 4th of December. We are now in the season of Advent. Let's begin together in prayer in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Come and save us, O Lord, our justice. When we have rebelled against your rule, come and save us. When we have failed to live in justice and in peace, come and save us. When we have neglected the gospel, come and save us. O God, you promise the coming of your kingdom to those who seek you in the midst of human infirmity of every kind. Bring faith to fulfillment in the glory of your reign through Christ our Lord. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. It is a better way to start a Monday morning, the Sunrise Morning Show, here on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. I'm Matt Swaim. Anna Mitchell has news. Paul Lockman at the controls. Travis has a video feed up and running. You can check out my cool Advent uh, ugly sweater that I've got on right now. That's in the show notes at sunrisemorningshow.com if you want to check out the video feed. Up this hour... As you listen to us and EWTN, you will catch Teresa Tamio. She'll be on with us. I want to know what she's up to for Advent. Get some maybe uh, Advent tips from her. Brandon Hodge from The Pillar, speaking of Advent tips, uh, is going to think about how long you can burn your first Advent candle each day and not run out of Advent candle. This is this is stuff you need to know. Bear Wozniak is going to be along as well, continuing our series on his book, 12 Rules for Manliness 
and then Stephanie Mann along at the end of the hour also. So please do stay with us if you can. Right now it is two minutes past the hour. News of service of Central Fabricators and centralfabricators.com. Here's Anna Mitchell. Good morning. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says U.S. intelligence was not aware of a Hamas document that outlined plans for a deadly attack on Israel. Speaking on NBC's Meet the Press yesterday, Kirby was referring to a New York Times article claiming Israeli officials knew of the Hamas plans a year before the October 7th attack. The article claimed senior military officials dismissed key warnings, believing that such an attack could not be done. Kirby said there would be a time and place to determine if there was an intelligence, if there was an intelligence failure. Meanwhile, during his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis lamented that the truce was broken in the Holy Land. From Vatican Radio, Joseph Tollock reports. It pains me that the truce has been broken. This means death, destruction, misery. Those were Pope Francis's words on the end of the Israel-Hamas ceasefire agreement, which broke down on Friday. The Pope was speaking after his weekly recitation of the Angelus Prayer in the Vatican, appearing via video link. As he is recovering from an inflammation of the lungs, the Pope's reflections were read aloud by Monsignor Paolo Braida, an official of the Vatican Secretariat of State, while the Pope sat beside him. Many hostages have been freed, the Pope continued, but many are still in Gaza. We think of them, of their families, who had seen a light, a hope that they might embrace their loved ones once again. The Pope added that there is so much suffering in Gaza, there is a lack of basic necessities. I hope, he said, that all of those involved can reach a new ceasefire agreement as soon as possible and find solutions other than weapons, trying to take courageous paths to peace. Pope Francis has repeatedly called for the release of all hostages in Gaza and for an immediate end to the hostilities there. Pope Francis also prayed for the victims of a bomb attack on a Catholic mass in the Philippines. Four people died and at least 40 were wounded in an attack on a gymnasium in the Mindano State University where mass was being celebrated. I would like to assure you of my prayers for the victims of the attack in the Philippines this morning, where a bomb exploded during Mass, Pope Francis said. He added that I am close to the families, to the people of Mindano, who have already suffered so much. In a telegram sent some hours later, Pope Francis said that he was deeply saddened to be informed of the injuries and loss of life due to the bombing. In other news, the Iranian-backed Houthis are now claiming responsibility for attacks on three commercial ships in the Red Sea yesterday. More from Chris Caraccio. The USS Kearney shot down several drones that officials say were launched from Houthi-controlled parts of Yemen just a month after it shot down rockers and drones fired by Houthi militants. U.S. Central Command said that the attacks represent a direct threat to international commerce and maritime security. No casualties were reported. I'm Chris Caraccio. President Biden is praising the late Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor. In a White House statement, Biden hailed her as an American icon, saying he, quote, admired her decency and unwavering devotion to the facts, to our country and to the common good, end quote. O'Connor was the first woman to serve on the Supreme Court. She died Friday due to complications with Alzheimer's and a respiratory illness. She was 93 years old. Alaska Airlines has announced plans to buy Hawaiian Airlines. The deal is valued at $1.9 billion. 
Bradford reports. Alaska Airlines would pay $18 per share for Hawaiian stock. Hawaiian closed at $4.86 on Friday. Alaska would also assume $900 million in debt from Hawaiian. The combined airline would be part of the One World Alliance that includes American Airlines, British Airways, and Cathay Pacific. Honolulu would remain a key hub. The deal needs approval of both boards, shareholders of Hawaiian Holdings, and U.S. regulators. Brad Ford, NBC News Radio. And stargazers might start spotting another object in the night sky, a tool bag that drifted away from astronauts during a spacewalk outside the International Space Station is now slowly orbiting around the Earth. The bag is estimated to remain in orbit until spring to midsummer next year before it disintegrates above the Earth's surface. The astronomy news site Earth Sky says the bag can be seen with a pair of binoculars. Wait, how big a bag are we talking? That's what I'm wondering. That's a pretty big tool bag. I mean, Binoculars is all you need? If a tool, okay, so like a regular tool bag, I mean, is it because you can see it because it's close, because it's descending into orbit, or you can see it because if you just got really good binoculars? Because if it's, I mean, is it a tool bag that's bigger than an astronaut? And if, if it's not, how can you see an astronaut with binoculars? The... Astronaut, like if they're spacewalking. Tool bag. I mean, I'm very curious about in this. Orbit. All I can say, though, by the way, is that if I'm up there in space and I lose my grip on a tool bag and it starts floating, I'm not going after it. That baby's gone, as far as I'm concerned. I know, right? I'm like, ah, we'll get another hammer. I'm trying to see if I can. Not I'll see if I can update this story to let you know just how big this tool bag is. All right. I'll let you know if I if I learn anything. I, I'm very curious to, to hear about that. I know that if Teresa Tamio's in space and she loses her makeup bag, she's letting it go. Just let it go. I don't know. Do not chase after that thing. I'd go diving after it myself. But... Stay on the cord that attaches you to the spaceship. <laughs> Teresa, how are you? I'm well, but I'm I'm with Annie. Boy, you don't separate a woman from her makeup. That's dangerous territory seriously this can i tell you a funny story real quick oh, uh, yeah. one time i was on my way to speak um, with Jeanette at her beautiful women of grace uh, event i forget i think it was in uh kansas city or i'm trying to remember but i, I was running late and so dominic just grabbed my my carry-on which had my makeup in, and he said just 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 go just go we'll, we'll, we'll check it and we checked it well it didn't show up it didn't show mm. up till the next day and I had, I had a speech that night a talk that night so I had to go to CVS and buy a whole bunch of makeup. And, you know, I said, well, you wanted to check the bag. So I think there should be a new law that Annie and I could start petitioning for it. A woman should never, ever be separated from her makeup. I'm sorry. You know? Okay. Well, there, there you have it. I'm with uh, you, T. So speaking, you, of, babe. speaking of which, and we're, I know we're going to talk about Advent traditions, uh, and this isn't – well, I don't know if this qualifies as makeup. But it qualifies as some sort of like maybe, – maybe it's in the realm of accessorizing, but Annie and I were talking uh, last hour – about one of the things that my wife does from time to time during the Advent season. She was working on it yesterday afternoon. Her Advent nails, where she goes three purple and a pink. Oh, I loved it. That's on so the fingernail cute. polish. Yeah. So does that count as makeup, or is that a different kind of like bracket? I of... would think that's makeup, or even accessorizing. Accessorizing like I snowflakes. Is what I, was thinking. I have snowflakes on my nails because I thought that would be kind of festive. Well, yeah. that's also because you're farther north than we are. It's true, and we get a lot of snow in Michigan. Yes. You get more mm-hmm. snow. So yeah. tradition-wise, I've been asking this of a few people. What things have you gotten out after first Sunday of Advent, and what things are you holding off on getting out until later? 
Well, let's see. I do have uh, a couple of these beautiful, I collect dolls, and we were engaged. We were in Frankenmuth, Michigan. I'm sure you're familiar with that. It's a Christmas town, about an hour north of Detroit. And there are these beautiful dolls that were made uh, over in Italy, and Dominic saw them, and he automatically bought them for me. And what I love about them is one is they're, they're both gift givers, and, they're, and the way they were displayed, they were giving gifts to the Christ child. One was a man carrying wreaths with a little hat on. Another woman, another was a woman dressed in peasant clothes, and she was handing off a beautifully wrapped gift to the Christ child. So those are the first things I normally take out and display, and I face them toward the manger, which I don't have out yet, but the manger is in the curio cabinet, so that's one of the things. And uh, the rest of the items I think that we're saving are some of the things that we put out very close to Christmas Eve um, from our Italian family, different ornaments that represent Italy uh, and things along those lines. But what I was going to say about traditions is my niece called me um, the other day, and her son and daughter in a wonderful uh, Catholic school here in the Archdiocese of Detroit, and the parents, this is really cool, have been asked to do a short presentation on the uh, family traditions or your heritage. And so she was calling me to talk to me about some of the uh, Italian traditions that she remembers my, my mother doing and me doing when they were growing up. And so she was going to talk about particular recipes. So then I said, you know, it would be really great since you're going to be presenting at your son's Catholic school. My father always sang on Christmas Eve, and I do play it, in the first hour of my show every Christmas Eve, Andrew runs it for me, and I, I could put a link to it up on my on my Facebook page today. But my father always sang every Christmas Eve a song that was written by St. Alphonse Liguori. And Annie may remember when we were in Italy together several years ago, this is Tuscende Dali Stella, You Descend from the Stars, a beautiful Italian song, Christmas Carol about the birth of Christ. And so I, I sent her a link to my father singing. I recorded it uh, before he got really sick. My father died of Parkinson's and, and heart um, failure. And his voice was still really strong then. And so she's going to present that to the students and give a little story about the tradition of that Christmas carol in the, Ital in the Italian-American culture and in the Italian culture, as opposed to just showing a recipe or something along those lines. So I think if we, if we can look back in our family history and something that's special that has to do with uh, maybe our, our ethnicity, our heritage, something that's, that really is meaningful, to pass on and share with our children and grandchildren so that's not lost. Yeah, I love those those sort of local traditional. You know, in America, we've got a lot of uh, stuff that's unique that we wrote related to the season, but it's all about like, uh, you know, it's Christmas time in the city. Go buy everything. You know, right. like <laughs> we have a lot Grandma of very got run over by a reindeer. Yeah, we, mm -hmm. we invented like yeah. five hundred characters so we can talk about them instead of Jesus. Uh, you know, these kinds of things. But um, I love those like local ones. I uh, discovered one many years ago. Uh, it's a Mexican traditional one called Asia Belen Va Una Burra, which is all about like this guy riding a donkey to go give chocolate to the Virgin Mary. And yeah, it's it's a very sweet song. You know, there there are all kinds of these things that exist in so many different traditions. Um, you know, that come from all the different countries. And I love uh, there have been some places. Uh, I know that the University of Dayton and their Marian Library used to have on the top floor, and there are a bunch of other places like the Comboni Missionaries do this also, where they have. Um, nativity displays that come from like all these different countries all over the world I love that that have different styles and different yep. kind of like motifs yep. and the shepherds always look a little bit different and you know their idea of what a wise man would look like is always kind of different from like country to country and i love those things because you know we want to as advent goes on put ourselves like what would it look like if i was there right right and this is a great opportunity uh, by thinking about what it would, what would it look like if they let a bunch of Italians show up at the manger? I mean, what would that look like? We should think a about lot of these food. kinds of things. <laughs> That's right. But gold, frankincense, and myrrh, and lots and lots of pasta. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. 
Well, actually, the Vatican does that every year. They have a contest, and they ask people to submit majors from all around the world, and they display it. And Dominic and I were in Rome a couple years ago for Christmas, actually right before COVID in 2019. We wanted to spend Christmas in Rome, which was just so beautiful. And then we went to some of the surrounding villages in, in Lazio that have the Christmas markets. But what they do with the Vatican is they, they judge them, and they, and they actually give artists awards. And, but they are so amazing. Just as you described, Matt, they come from all over the world, large countries and small, using like the regional products and, and the goods that are from their areas, and, and they tell, all tell a different story, well, the same story but in a different way. It's really, really cool. But, again, going back to, to tradition, what is you know, your family tradition in these areas of Christmas? Because it makes Christmas, I think, more real for the children and helps them understand how people celebrate, that it's from their heart. Whatever they have locally, whatever they can give, that's, what they, that's why I love those two dolls that I have that are giving gifts to the Christ child. It's just super, super important. So just an idea because I was, my, my niece was thinking about recipes, and I said, well, I said, that's fine. I can give you a ton of recipes. I have the original recipe from my grandmother from Calabria. Her, her, the if Strumpoli. you share that one on the air, Teresa, you may be banned for life from all further media platforms. You've got to be careful about sharing them. <laughs> Some no, but seriously, stuff. instead of just doing food, which is great, I mean, what about something that has even more meaning? Like my father's singing this beautiful song written by a saint. So she loved it, and so she took the recording, and she's going to present about it at uh, her son's Catholic school. So really cool And stuff. I think if, if, if most of us thought we could find something like that in our own family, uh, even if we got to look back a generation or two uh, to dig it up, and, you know, there's nothing that says that you can't start something. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Yourself uh, that, uh, that you want to start trying to do. So mm-hmm. this is a great opportunity. I love when new liturgical seasons start because you kind of get, you know, kind of like a fresh. It's like getting a new notebook with a new pencil, right? Yep. You get to do uh, the possibilities are really, really endless. So endless. Teresa, I know you're going to be talking about some good ideas and sharing some more uh, thoughts and having some great interviews too through Advent. So please do, dear listeners, right. catch Teresa every morning here on EWTN. Thank you, Teresa. Have a great day. Talk to you next week, Gobbling. Ciao, ciao. All right. 16 past. We got headlines coming up next. Support for the Sunrise Morning Show is from Visiting Angels. Visiting Angels provides experienced, compassionate care to millions of aging adults nationwide by keeping them safe and healthy in the comfort of their own home. Whether it's a short break for caregivers or for long-term assistance, Visiting Angels provides hygiene, meals, light housework, companionship, and more. And services are available up to 24 hours per day. Visiting Angels, online at visitingangels.com. That's visitingangels.com. Franchise opportunities available. Are you looking for peace? Longing for joy? Want to meet the giver of all goodness? God is calling the laity to bring Ignatian prayer into a suffering world. Work for the new evangelization. Go to lordteachmetopray.com. Order your free digital training and manual. Find true happiness and everlasting joy. Go to LordTeachMeToPray.com and click on the red button today. It's free. Approved by the USCCB. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, Leah, at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. The most original and exclusive Catholic content is on EWTN Radio. 
One time, somebody said to me, why don't you air these people? And I said, no, because I don't think they're Catholic. He says, by what right do you have to say that? I said, I own the network. <laughs> Mother Angelica Live Classics, tomorrow night, 8 Eastern, on EWTN Television and Radio. 18 past. Here's Anna with headlines. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says he is not sure when or if another truce can happen between Israel and Hamas. During his Angelus address yesterday, Pope Francis lamented that the truce was broken in the Holy Land. And over the weekend, he sent a video message to the inaugural faith forum at the U.N.'s climate summit. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I know we've been talking a lot of Advent vibes, and we will Mm -hmm. continue to talk them more with Brendan Hodge here in just a moment. Uh, we got a major feast today. Today is the feast of a doctor of the church, St. John of Damascus, and uh, there are a lot of things to be said about him. Uh, But he is from uh, around the 7th, 8th century is when he Mm -hmm. lived, and there are a lot of things that were going on, including the rise of Islam, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, and it was one of the big iconoclastic moments where people were smashing statues and windows and uh, anything that depicted images of sacred objects. And John of Damascus basically said, because the incarnation, because Christ uh, you know, became incarnate, took on an image, right? Something we could see. <laughs> it is okay then for us to use things that we can see to point us toward him, which is a great, actually, feast day to have uh, and a great thing to reflect upon as we're putting up all these things that we can see that help us remember what Christmas is actually supposed to be about. This is one of those things that I am so grateful to be a Catholic um, because we, I personally, at least, need those reminders of, especially in church, I think, you know, I go to this incredibly beautiful church that has statues all over the place that has the ceiling painted and everything around the altar is painted to remind us of the communion of saints who are joining us there at mass you know we're we've been learning about how thin the veil is there at mass and it's the thinnest there at the consecration to know that the angels and the saints are there worshiping along with us It's just such a great reminder that I would totally forget about if I was sitting in a church with blank walls and no statues around me. I would have no no clue. Indeed. Thank you, St. John John Damascene, for helping us out on that one. Yeah, man. St. John Damascene, pray for us. us. Lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew. And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show. If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. Business owners are starting to think outside the box to find new customers. You can reach millions of engaged Catholic listeners by underwriting the Sunrise Morning Show. Each weekday morning, listeners across the U.S. and around the globe can hear your message for your business, ministry, or nonprofit on the Sunrise Morning Show. To find out how it works, email me, 
Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. That's Leah at SacredHeartRadio.com. A Marian prayer from the Celtic tradition. Hail Mary, Hail Mary, Queen of Grace, Mother of Mercy. Hail Mary in manner unsurpassing, font of our health, source of our joy. To thee we night and day, erring children of Adam and Eve, lift our voice in supplication, in groans and grief and tears. Bestow upon us, thou root of gladness, since thou art the cup of generous graces, the faith of John and Peter and Paul, with the wings of Gabriel on the heights of the clouds. Vouchsafe to us, thou golden branch, a mansion in the realm of peace, rest from the perils and stress of waves, beneath the shade of the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. For Sacred Heart Catholic Radio, I'm Father Benedict O'Kinsella. Twenty-three minutes past the hour, you're listening to the Sunrise Morning Show on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. Happy to have you along with us on this Monday of the first week of Advent. Here we go, folks. Brendan Hodge joining us now on the Sunrise Morning Show. He is Darwin from the Darwin Catholic blog. Pick up a copy of his book, if you can get it, from Ignatius Press and is a contributing editor as well to The Pillar. Good morning, Brendan. Good morning. Great to be on with you. It is great to have you, and I'm excited that you agreed to do this research on uh, on our behalf here on the Sunrise Morning Show. So this year, Advent started December 3rd, and Advent always, of course, ends on December 24th. Uh, is this one of the shortest Advents possible? I mean, what is kind of the range, so to speak, on how long or short Advent can be? Yes, this is the shortest Advent that we can ever have. Nice. Um, so, uh, as you point out, uh, Advent always ends on Christmas Eve, and it, it includes four Sundays. So the very shortest Advent that you can ever have is 22 days when Christmas falls on a Monday, and the very longest we can have is 28 days when Christmas falls on a Sunday, which is what we had last year. So last year, the fourth week of Advent was a full week, and Christmas was on the Sunday after the fourth Sunday of Advent. Wow. And, I and feel for like us Americans, the, oh, the extra bit of bonus info here is that in years when Advent um, is um, on um, either uh, Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, uh, Advent begins on Thanksgiving weekend. So when you have your longest mm. three possible Advents, you have uh, Advent beginning on Thanksgiving weekend because Thanksgiving is always the fourth Thursday of November. But when we have a short Advent like this, um, Advent begins the week and after Thanksgiving weekend. Well, this is very helpful information, I think, particularly for um, those who will be buying gifts for anyone in their lives to know uh, that you've got a very short season here. Now, one of the hallmarks of Advent is the Advent wreath, right? And so I want to talk about candles and having enough candle to get through Advent. Um, if a family wants to, you know, set this family tradition or already has this family tradition of lighting the Advent wreath, 
every night at like dinner time, perhaps, and want to make sure that that first purple candle will have some wick left to be lit on Christmas Eve. So on December 24th, is is there a formula that a person can use, Brendan, uh, to determine how many hours a candle will last when lit? Well, I did some looking into this, and what I found is that a standard um, taper candle will burn for roughly one hour per inch. Um, What really depends here is the diameter of the candle. Obviously, candles which are thicker most of the way up and only slim at the top are going to burn for longer than candles that are that are very um, have very straight sides and slim very rapidly as they go up. Uh, but in general, a 12-inch taper is going to last for 12 hours, a 10-inch taper will last for 10 hours, and an 8-inch taper will last for 8 hours. So your key here is going to be to look for your longer tapers, um, and then you look at your number of days, whether it's a 28-day um, long advent or this year a 22-day short advent, and uh, you can calculate the number of minutes you should be able to get per night. So in theory, with optimal candle burning, you should be able to burn your Advent wreath for 32 minutes per night for all 22 nights of Advent and come out to zero candle at the end. Nice. So is that with a 12-inch variety or an 8-inch variety or, or what? That's, what? that's with a 12-inch candle. So if you're if you're maxing out, as we picked up uh, our tapers when we were at the uh, the Bookmarks store in uh, Steubenville, nice. uh, which is a great bookstore there by the uh, college, and uh, so ours were 12 inches, and I went with that measurement. Oh, okay, good. So, folks, if you have, you want to measure your candle to make sure. So, you said 32 minutes per night, Brendan, with a 12 inch? 32 minutes per night if you have 12 inch tapers. Okay, so if you have a shorter candle than that, then you're going to want to go down just a little bit more. Um, make sure that your, your advent vigils every night are uh, shorter than half an hour to have a little bit more wick when uh, when you get to uh, December 24th. Now, what about if uh, you're going kind of a non-traditional route with the, with the candles? Uh, maybe you just don't have a wreath or you didn't get the tapers in time, but you do have some purple and pink uh, pillar candles or purple and pink jar candles. Do, does the lighting, did you look into that by any chance? Does the, does the length of time um, differ with those? It does, and you're going to have a lot of time to burn your advent wreath if you have pillar candles or jar candles. So it turns out that the main drivers of candle survival are how wide they are and how tall they are. So if you have a three-inch diameter pillar candle, which is six inches tall, you can expect that candle to burn for about 75 hours. Um, so it's going to last a lot longer than a 12-inch taper, which you could expect to last about 12. Uh, so you could be using those same pillar candles for years. Wow. Um, a jar candle will last, if you have exactly the same uh, volume of wax, it will last a little bit less long. And the reason is because they tend to use softer wax hmm. and because the jar will hold in the heat and allow the wax to melt more rapidly, which leads to higher fuel consumption. Well. This. And your extra tip for making your candles last long is apparently you should trim your wick to exactly a quarter inch long, and that will keep you from burning your wax too fast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the information you needed today. 
Absolutely. Brendan Hodge has done us a great service here uh, doing the research on burning Advent candles in this the shortest of Advent seasons that we have. Brendan, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. That was awesome. Half past the hour now on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's time for news. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says U.S. intelligence was not aware of a Hamas document that outlined plans for a deadly attack on Israel. Kirby was speaking on NBC's Meet the Press yesterday and referring to a New York Times article claiming Israeli officials knew of Hamas's plans a year before the October 7th attack. The article claimed senior military officials dismissed key warnings believed that such believing that such an attack could not be done. Kirby said there would be a time and place to determine if there was an an intelligence failure. Meanwhile, Pope Francis has said it's painful to see the truce between Israel and Hamas be broken. In his Angelus address yesterday, the Holy Father said the breaking of the truce means death, destruction, and misery. Because of his health, an aide to Pope Francis read his message once again yesterday, which was projected onto screens in St. Peter's Square for the faithful. The Pope said many hostages have been freed, but many are still in Gaza. We think of them, of their families who had seen a light, a hope that they might embrace their loved ones again. He said, I hope that all those involved can reach a new ceasefire agreement as soon as possible and find solutions other than arms trying to take courageous paths to peace, end quote. In other news, an American warship and multiple commercial vessels came under fire in the Red Sea yesterday, prompting a response. Trey Thomas has details. The USS Kearney shot down several drones that officials say were launched from Houthi-controlled parts of Yemen just a month after it shot down rockets and drones fired from Houthi militants. U.S. Central Command said the attacks represent a direct threat to international commerce and maritime security. No casualties were reported. I'm Trey Thomas. President Biden is appraising the late Supreme Court Justice Sandra Day O'Connor, who died Friday. In a White House statement, Biden hailed her as an American icon. O'Connor was the first woman to serve on the U.S. Supreme Court. She died Friday due to Alzheimer complications and a respiratory illness. She was 93. Pope Francis sent the Vatican Secretary of State and a video message to the inaugural Faith Forum at the U.N.'s Climate Summit in Dubai, which began this weekend. From Vatican Radio, Francesca Merlo reports. At the heart of Pope Francis's video message to Dubai for the inauguration of the COP28 Faith Pavilion is the idea of creating alliances for the common good. The Pope's message, broadcast on Sunday morning during the event, was entrusted to the Vatican Secretary of State, Pietro Parolin, as Pope Francis was unable to attend as planned as a precautionary measure while he recovers from pulmonary inflammation. In his video message, the Holy Father expressed his regret for not being present at COP28 and emphasized the inauguration of the Faith Pavilion as this is the first time that a religious pavilion has been set up within a UN climate change conference. This pavilion, said the Pope, attests to the willingness to work together. Today, the world needs alliances that are not against anyone, but in favor of all, he said. It is urgent that religions, without falling into the trap of syncretism, give a good example working together not for one's own interests or those of one party, but for the interests of our world. He added that the most important topics currently are peace and the climate. 
Pope Francis thus invited all religious representatives to be an example and show that change is possible by bearing witness to sustainable and respectful lifestyles. Let us earnestly urge the leaders of nations to preserve our common home, he said, adding, especially hearing the cries of the poor and the weakest among us, whose prayers reach the throne of the Most High. In conclusion, the Pope invited everyone to safeguard creation and protect our common home, always seeking to live in peace. As part of the inauguration of the Faith Pavilion, Pope Francis also signed a unified faith declaration, joining religious leaders and representatives from a host of faiths. The declaration seeks to harness the collective influence of faith communities and religious institutions to inspire climate justice globally. I am Francesca Merlo. The leading national health expert says the U.S. should experience a more typical flu and virus season this winter. Speaking on CBS's Face the Nation, former FDA Commissioner Dr. Scott Gottlieb said the level of RSV and flu cases is abating compared to epidemic numbers in previous years. He said young children and older adults have been especially vulnerable. That's the news on the Sunrise Morning Show. It's 35 Pack. Are you expecting the kids to wake you up at the crack of dawn on Christmas morning? Make that experience more bearable by treating yourself to some Mystic Monk coffee. They have a number of Christmas blends available. And when you go to Mystic Monk Coffee through the link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you earn us a commission. Make Christmas morning even better by drinking your coffee with a Sunrise Morning Show mug available in our online store. Browse our mugs and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. This is Father Rob Jack with the Heart of St. Paul. We like to be in control of things. We want things to happen according to our plans and the ways that we expect. That way we can have a pretty good idea about how things are going to turn out. Before his conversion, it's clear that Paul sought to exercise absolute control over his life. After his conversion, Paul learned something quite different from his teachers, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Our desire for control is based on our limited knowledge of things, our weaknesses, and our not wanting to be surprised. Paul learns through his life in the Lord that his desire for control can contradict the will of God. If we want to do God's will, then we must allow God to do things his way. Paul reminds the Corinthians, who also like to control things, that we walk by faith, not by sight. Faith is not about taking a step into the darkness, but rather it is about taking a step into the light of Christ. At first, it's frightening to walk by faith because we must put ourselves in God's hands. But slowly, it becomes assuring to walk by faith. Our stepping into faith helps us realize just how dark the world was and now how bright it is because the light of truth from Christ illumines it. And this is what we learn from the heart of St. Paul. Is this the uh, Beach Boys Christmas album? I'm not sure what this is. The Sunrise Morning Show continues. I'm Matt Swaim, joined now by Bear Wozniak, and he is known for many things, including lots of deep adventure-related stuff. We've been going through a book of his, 12 Rules for Manliness, Where Have All the Cowboys Gone? Bear, good morning. Hey, good morning. If you're not wondering where I've gone, Cindy and I are sailing on Spirit of Adventure here. We're in Cane Garden Bay, north shore of Totola in the Virgin Islands. 
All right. So, well, I would be I would have great difficulty finding you. I think uh, so. Uh, yeah. That's that's, but that's the what magic I call of radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily we're able to talk to you here, and you know today we're going to be talking about the idea of men being able to weather hard things and endure. Mm. And you know there are some people who go through hard stuff and make life harder on themselves than they should to prove a point, and there are some people who can't handle any adversity whatsoever. I imagine we ought to be striking a balance here. Oh, sorry about that. Yeah, I, yeah, I think I think so. You know, the thing is, is I remember when I was a kid, um, my friend Earl and I would be playing in the dirt, playing in the mud, doing all kinds of things, and I would always be just filthy no matter what, and he always came out so clean. But um, I, I don't feel bad because the nature of a man is to be made out of mud. But also, when God made man, he infused in him, he breathed into him a spiritual soul. So a man is grit, but he's all grace. And, uh, and so you need both. You can't, you, this isn't about trying to pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. It's the Lord coming alongside and saying, hey, uh, let me help you with that. And better yet, I've got a plan for your life, you know? Well, this is where it all—I mean, the Christian take is just so different uh, than the way that a lot of people in various— you know, points of the culture tend to tend to look at men. There are some people who are so self-made, uh, right, so insistent on enduring and hard work or whatever, that they think church is a waste of time, Bear. <laughs> they think it's for mm-hmm. sissies, they think whatever, right? They're not interested in grace. They're only interested in the stuff that they can control. And on the other hand, you've got other people who, you know, can't take a hit, <laughs> right? Who can't who can't handle right. seemingly seemingly anything and get sort of stunted in yeah. in sort of like an adolescent stage. So when the church talks about this idea of grace building on nature or this idea that we are supposed to cooperate with our salvation, but that God is the one who grants the grace for it. I mean, this kind of busts up both yeah. of those ideas. Well, it's kind of cool. It's kind of like, you know, you know, um, when you're doing a deadlift or a bench press, you know, and uh, I just remember doing, I used to just do exclusively deadlifts and bench presses with this really mean lady who was a great coach. And she could get me to do amazing things. She trained a lot of great athletes. But I remember doing... Uh, doing a deadlift and it not moving and her using her little pinky finger to just touch the the bar and move it just a little bit and it moved and so for for men you know we we build our strength through resistance training and by going through adversity but that 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 finger of god as jesus jesus referred to it uh that grace of god the holy spirit uh that lifting that he does for us can make all the difference so we're not meant to do it on our own, and by the way, if you don't, if you do try to lift those weights on your own, and there's a problem, you're probably going to ruin your back. So it's always good to have a spotter. And so, but the Lord does more than that. He directs our paths. There's a verse that says, "The eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the earth, that He might strongly support the man whose heart is totally yielded to Him." And why would we need strong support if God didn't have a challenge for us? Yeah. Well, you know, this is. You know, we we think about this in terms of of parenthood too, right? God is a loving father, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to understanding these concepts, I try to think about like, what would I do if I was the most loving father I could be? And when I'm at, when I'm at my mm-hmm. best, uh, bear, I am helping mm-hmm. my son with stuff, but I'm also teaching him to do it himself, <laughs> right? I mean, this is right. This That's is right. This it's is so how natural that. fatherhood so- sort of works too. 
sometimes it's easier to just uh, do it for them. But I remember when I was young, I used to mow the yard, you know, it was tough. I was probably eight or nine or 10 years old. And I remember when I had my son Jeremiah do that in fancy California, you know, well, how dare you have your nine-year-old son out there pushing a lawnmower? But but he was tough. It made him tough. You know, it made him it made it more more gritty. And I remember too, like when I was testing for my my first degree uh, ninja black belt, we all had different mottos, and my motto was "Lead me to the rock too high to climb, and I will climb it." And part of our test, of course, was to to scale to scale a real sheer cliffs. Um, but um, but there there is that part of us that says, "Lord, give me a challenge that's bigger than me, something that I have to grow to become." something that I can't accomplish without you, and something that really champions a cause that's worthy of you. And I think men are looking for a challenge. Young men especially have been out on college campuses a lot lately, and they're looking. They, they want a challenge. They want something that, that calls out that heroic part of them. Yeah, and they're getting called. Uh, that part of them is being called to by a lot of people who have uh, a bad influence. There's this whole like alpha male YouTube vibe thing going yeah. where people are just like looking at yeah. ways to like make get to zero percent body fat and how to like you know up their prowess <laughs> with women and and there's like entire like YouTube followings yeah. dedicated to people who have figured out how to like call out to you to sacrifice yourself to get the things that you want. Except at the end of the day, yeah. the goal is just like the goal is just you, <laughs> you know. And what good is right. that? It's all self. It's all self. You know, I was introduced uh, at one of these campuses as being an alpha male, and I go, I hope not. Yeah. I just want to be a man. That, my, my whole desire is, is I need God's help to do this. I just want to do God's will. Because when I know I'm doing God's will, like it says, God will strongly support me. And that means I get to see God do stuff. You know, I know dropping in on a big wave, paddling hard to, to uh, drop in on a big wave. Um, but once I make that drop, uh, I, I, I'm no longer going on my power. I'm going by the power of the Lord, and so we we don't need this. We don't need to be focused on self. That's just that's just death. Focus on our identity in Christ, and focus on Jesus, and focus on seeking the true good and laying our lives down for others. And then God can strongly support you. And then you get to feel that wind in the sails, like we we felt here yesterday, sailing into this harbor, and uh, and we get to see God do stuff. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'm, I've been workshopping this while you're talking. You don't want to be the alpha male, but you do want to follow mm-hmm. the alpha and omega male. Oh, dude! Can I, I steal it? Can steal, I steal that! that in my next book? Steal that! <laughs> I will. I will give you credit. I will give you credit, but I'm going to yeah. steal it. I might. Well, I'm, I'm just thinking about this too. Is you're, you you talk about uh, you know so many of the things that you do, uh, Bear, involve. Um, being in awe of God's creation and when you put the focus back on yourself and you put the focus on like perfecting you know you for the sake of you uh, I'm just laughing at what might happen if you stood up to that wave and it's like all right wave I'm going to use all my force against you yeah. <laughs> right yeah. wouldn't yeah, take you very far more humbling than, there's no one more humble than a surfer trust me because we fall right. more than we fall more than little children and as soon as you think you think you're good uh rolling or sparring uh someone humbles you pretty fast you know so yeah, so all this, all this focus on self, uh, it's emptiness, and it it's reminds me of Dante's Purgatory. It's an inward, I mean, uh, the, the uh, inferno. inferno. It's just an inward, inward downward spiral into isolation from God and man. And Jesus, uh, on the other hand, takes on human flesh in the humblest way possible and invites a whole bunch of people to join him in what he's got for them. So it's a very big contrast, especially as we head into the season of Advent. Bear Wozniak, thank you as always. 
Have fun. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Love you, Matt. Aloha. All right. And be sure to check out Bear's stuff. You can find him linked through sunrisemorningshow.com. He's in the show notes along with a video stream and a bunch of other things. We're back uh, with more right after this, including headlines. It's a quarter till. Support is for MediShare. So right now may be the perfect time for you to rethink how you pay for health care. And here's why. Not only is it open enrollment for a lot of people, it's also a time you can join MediShare and save even more than usual. For many families, switching to MediShare saves about $500 a month, which is a game changer for a lot of people. But what's more, they like it. MediShare has double the member satisfaction rate compared to health insurance. Double. MediShare is a proven thing, too. For over 30 years, it's a Christian community of more than 400,000 members. And here's the thing, too. If you join before December 15th and you mention the promo code SHARE, you'll get another $150 savings. So I'll give you the number here in a second, but just call. You'll get a price within two minutes. And remember, the deadline is December 15th. So call now and you'll save even more. Here's the number, 844-55-BIBLE. That's 844-55-BIBLE. 844-55-BIBLE. Got a coffee lover on your Christmas list this year? Give them the gift of Mystic Monk Coffee. The Carmelite Monks of Wyoming have a number of seasonal blends that would make for a great Christmas morning brew. And when you purchase it, after clicking the Mystic Monk link at sunrisemorningshow.com, you support the monks and the show. If your coffee lover is also a fan of the Sunrise Morning Show, pick up a mug or travel mug for them in our online store. Get a mug and link to Mystic Monk Coffee at sonrisemorningshow.com. That's sunrisemorningshow.com. EWTN has its own official YouTube channel with tens of thousands of videos covering just about every conceivable topic of interest to Catholics. And best of all, it's free. Every day, EWTN adds new TV shows, live events, devotionals, homilies, and specials to its YouTube channel. Visit the EWTN YouTube channel today. EWTN is the global Catholic network. I'm spiritual, but do I have to be religious? Join me, Dr. David Andrews, as we answer your questions on Call to Communion today at 2 p.m. Eastern. Now, back to the Sunrise Morning Show. 12 till, here's Anna with headlines. National Security Council spokesman John Kirby says U.S. intelligence was not aware of a Hamas document outlining plans for a deadly attack on Israel a year before the actual attack. Pope Francis says it's painful to see that the truce between Israel and Hamas has been broken. And the Holy Father over the weekend sent the Vatican Secretary of State and a video message to the inaugural Faith Forum at the UN's Climate Summit in Dubai. News at the top and bottom of each hour every weekday morning here on the Sunrise Morning Show. I'm Matt Swain, joined now by Stephanie Mann from Supremacy and Survival. Uh, it's, that's the blog that she runs, but it's also a book that she wrote, which is well worth checking out if you want to know anything about the English Reformation and Henry VIII and all the martyrs uh, who stood for the faith and kind of the trajectory that it's been on as a nation ever since. Stephanie, good morning. Good morning, Matt. Well, you. you can't really tell the story about the English Reformation without talking about a saint who kicks off the month of December, St. Yes. Edmund Campion. And uh, you've been looking at how these various saint martyrs and confessors are talked about in a book by Father Bowden. And uh, if you could, like, 
I guess St. Edmund Campion doesn't just get one chapter. Like how many how many places does he show up uh, <laughs> no. throughout this book? He there there right there are 20 mentions of him and several main articles that focus on him and then Father Bowden or, or at least the editors at, at uh, <clears throat> in the book have have also placed a poem that a martyr another martyr who was inspired by Campion's martyrdom wrote about him uh, a poem by St. Uh, uh, Henry Walpole, uh, Why Do I Use My Paper, Ink, and Pen to Describe the the Event of Campion's Martyrdom, which was also set to music by William Byrd, the great uh, recusant composer during the Elizabethan and, and James era. So yes, he is, he is kind of one of the emblematic and most popular martyrs of the of the 40 martyrs of England and of the Jesuit martyrs. In fact, he has two feasts. There's a feast for him on December 1st in Oxford as one of the Oxford martyrs because he was he was a graduate of, uh, from from Oxford, received his degree there, and also among the Jesuit English Jesuit martyrs because he's their proto martyr. And yes, he's just a magnificent model, and so it's no surprise that Father Bowden gave him so much attention. And then the the entry I chose. Chose, chose particularly because I think you could almost use the Ignatian method to place yourself that day, December 1st, 1581 in London as Father uh, is taken, the, the martyr is taken from a prison to Tyburn to suffer his fate of being hanged, drawn and quartered, a most horrible and torturous death. You can almost put yourself there as you read what, how Father Bowden describes this. Well, Father Bowden uh, does a great job of setting the stage, uh, and you've excerpted some of this. It says, In the splash and mud of a wet December morning, mm-hmm. Campion was led forth from the tower, still in his old gown of Irish frieze. Undaunted, he saluted the vast crowd, saying, God save you all, gentlemen. God bless you and make you all good Catholics. <laughs> but you talk about guts. So My goodness. Here he's been tor- <laughs> Yes, yes. So here he's been tortured. He's been forced to debate Anglican clergymen and and basically won those debates because they stopped him and and tried. And he's being led forth on a cold winter, wet morning in in London. And the first thing he does is 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 bless the people who are about to see him led to his martyrdom and are probably going to rejoice in this martyrdom and also to those who are. Catholics who are watching, and, and I think that would be an interesting thing is to imagine yourself as a Catholic watching a priest to, and two other priests, very young men, being led off to this horrible death for serving you're, you're serving you, for bringing you the sacraments, for bringing you mass and and confession and baptism and, and marriage and, and all that you've lost because of the English Reformation. Yeah, uh, what a powerful image. So uh, how does... Father uh, Bowden go on to describe what happened. Uh, again, it's a story that many of us know, and many of our people yes. have read Evelyn Waugh's account. Right. But how does Father Bowden uh, lay it out? Well, well, they're they're drag they're they're placed and tied to hurdles that are, of course, uh, on on the ground, and that all that mud and muck the uh, and and they're are dragged to Tyburn behind the ho- behind horses. So they're I mean they're vulnerable to everyone's. Uh, shouts and, and and to the filth of the streets, and th- in fact, Bowden mentions that they're followed by an insulting crowd of ministers and rabble, and then he but he does mention that indeed there are some Catholics that are being consoled uh, uh, that are watching on the way, 
and he has these two little, by the way uh, as you, can i just stop you, you know what this sounds that, oh, like as you're yeah. describing it sure it sounds like calvary <laughs> With uh, Jesus yes, being heckled fact, by all these Father people, Valley. including religious leaders along the way, and a handful yes. of loyals following him in the crowd. Yeah. When Father Bowd makes that point, he says that, that some Catholics were there, and a man like a, Veron like a Veronica on another Via Dolorosa wiped Campion's face from all that mud and muck that was on it. And that that Bowd, and then Bowden also brings up this little event that Campion sees a statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary, and he, from his being, you know, tied down, bows, raises his head so that he can bow to the Blessed Virgin Mary. So yes, mm. it, it does. It does sound like another Via Dolorosa and, a, and another, uh, well, it is a form of a horrible crucifixion. And then he, he finally gets to the gallows, and he tries to speak to the crowd. And in fact, he begins with the title that uh, Father Bowden uses, saying that, that they're an object to, to angels and men, that they're, as from St. Paul's letter to the first letter to the Corinthians, but then he's interrupted, and they, they keep pressing him to confess his treason, and he keeps saying he has committed no treason, and finally, he he does say that he is he's loyal to the queen as far as her rule as, as uh, the queen of England, just not as the head of the spiritual church. And then he finally says, I am a Catholic man and a priest, and in that faith have I lived, in that faith do I intend to die. So if you, if it's treasonous to be a Catholic, then yes, I guess I am a traitor, but I'm not a traitor in my heart to the queen. I am just trying to be true to my Catholic faith and to fulfill my vocation as a priest. So yes, it is, it's, it's just a beautiful uh, view of this horrible event to bring up the spirituality of it and the the beauty of it in a way because it is a via dolorosa well as i'm reading through your blog post here and uh, you know you've you've highlighted a lot of segments of father bowden's book uh, regarding various martyrs and confessors but just the taste of the ones that you've excerpted for this one on edmund campion is enough to make anybody i think want to pick up you know the book and dig into some of this for yes. themselves uh, remind people uh, where they can find the book and where they can find your blog where you've been going through it well, my blog is Supremacy and Survival, the English Reformation, so if you search for that. And the book is readily available from uh, Sophia Institute Press. It is a, they've had it on sale once, so maybe they will again, so it's a great book. Beautiful yeah, who book knows book. this time Daily, of year what's on uh, sale. Meditation on these martyrs and confessors. Yeah, the difference between yes, you, you and true. me is your books are on sale, mine are on the clearance rack, Stephanie. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> you have a wonderful day. We've got you linked at sunrisemorningshow.com, and uh, we'll talk to you again soon. And while you're at sunrisemorningshow.com, please do check out uh, that subscribe button so you can get show notes delivered to your inbox every day and find out what your local EWTN affiliate is running in regard to the Sunrise Morning Show every single morning when you wake up. We'll be back again tomorrow. Until then, I'm Matt Swaim. For all of us here, may God bless you and keep you and grant you his peace.